Hello and welcome to another episode of Bare Minimum Babe. My name is Amanda Cunningham and I am the founder and host of this podcast and the company Bare Minimum Babe. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me that you tune in every week, really and truly. Today, I'm really excited because my guest is Fitz Kohler and she is a fitness expert and she talked about so, so much and I think it was really important. My main takeaway for this episode and what I hope your takeaway is, is a couple of things, but I really think the key is that if you're in your business for the long haul, then you need to make sure that you align yourself to any offers, any products, any strategies, anything that you're selling, anything that you're kind of like putting your name, your face on, make sure that's aligned with you and your values and that your record is clean in case something is found out later that maybe the company that you were working with isn't like super great. And obviously there's, you know, accidents that happen, but if you're kind of pushed to make some type of offer that you feel like is icky or you're not totally into it and you know, something is a little off and, you know, creating certain types of products or certain type of offer and you're not truly aligned with it and you're feeling kind of like, I don't know, listen to that and make sure that your record and your name and your integrity and your conscious and all those things are clean Because you want to make sure that if you're in this for the long haul, which hopefully we all are, we don't want to do things just quickly and just kind of make a quick cash grab. Like you're in this for a long haul to make it work. You want to make sure that you're doing something that you're proud of and it was done in integrity and alignment with what you value and what you want your company to be standing for and to be standing out for, right? So I think that mainly just thinking long-term strategy instead of, you know, short-term cash grabs. And I've talked about this in other episodes too of, you know, internet coaches and my example, this wasn't exactly, you know, Fitz's example, but my example is that there's so many internet coaches that are just out here kind of talking about like one size fits all solutions and there's a foolproof method. And like, I can bring you to six figures in this amount of time. And all these things, right? I talk about that episode 30 specifically of how to spot predatory marketing tactics of internet coaches, but I feel like there's certain things that are pushed that by them a lot of times that don't actually feel right for a lot of people in their long-term business strategies. And they're not thinking long-term, but because we're looking at short turnaround cash grabs and kind of short wins, because the longer term strategies take longer, obviously they take more effort. They take more time to see return on. They take more like big thinking work. You know, you can't like big think long haul strategy within like a two hour working session on a random Tuesday, right? Like, no, you check things off here to do for a short term grabs in a way, right? So they're a little bit more difficult to do long term. And so I, I just want people to be, I want you to be aware of these decisions within yourself. And I mean, you don't, you can't be fully like self-aware all the time because then you would never get anything done. You'd be too worried about how you look and how that like reflects you and blah, blah, blah. But you know, think about things in that capacity. Like, is this a good long-term strategy? Like even the short-term, if even if you're thinking of short-term strategy, you know, for quick cash or something like that, think of it in a long-term, like is a good question. I think to ask yourself that Fitz brought up and you know, that we talked about more in depth is, when you're coming to those decisions and those those strategies and thinking of those things and when you're you know faced with that decision ask yourself am i making moves that i'll be proud of like just question mark and it could be 5 months from now it could be a year from now it could be 6 years from now it could be 20 years from now whatever that is are the moves that you're making currently are they going to be ones that you'll be proud of and when i say proud of i don't mean Like, will it be perfect? No, because there is no perfect. So it's not like, I'm proud of this. This is an amazing piece of body of work. Like, no, nothing's perfect. You're always going to see something that you could have done slightly better, right? But what I mean is, were you in integrity? Like, do you have an ickiness? 
You know, were you feeling some type of off ickiness when you made that decision or when you moved in that direction? I think that's a good guiding principle. And Fitz and I talk about that quite a bit in this episode. So that was my key takeaway. And again, we talked about many other things, but that was my key takeaway that I really hope you get away from this too. And I think I'm just going to leave it at that and have you listen to the awesome conversation that Fitz and I have. So without further ado, here's the episode. I am welcomed today by an amazing guest, Fitz Kohler. She is a speaker, author, race announcer, and a fitness expert, and she's also the CEO of Fitness International. So hello, welcome to Bare Minimum Babe. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and kind of how you got started with your business and your speaking and all the awesome things that you do, and you must be insanely busy? I am busy, but I think we're all busy. I think (laughs) I'm busy in different ways, but uh, we're definitely all busy. Yeah, I actually, I started teaching fitness at 14. Uh, My manager at Cinnabon in the mall got cranky and (laughs) decided to ditch that job. And I applied at the gym I'd been working out at and uh, they hired me on the spot. It was a Tuesday and they said, hey, can you teach a uh, low impact cardio class on Friday? And I said, Okay. And thank thank goodness I'm a gamer because I just thought, sure, I'll give it a go. And I gave it a go and it went great. And I fell in love and not only with the enjoyment of teaching fitness, but I love helping people. I just really love connecting with good people, especially ones who are trying hard. So continued to pursue that. Um, Started teaching fitness at the University of Florida as soon as I uh, arrived as a freshman. And then Things really progressed from there. Not only did I love teaching at UF, but I taught on a cruise ship over in Scandinavia and Russia. And when I came back from that voyage, a television producer was uh, hosting auditions for a fitness show. So I auditioned and I was cast. And uh, that was a real powerful moment for me because two things. Number one, I learned that my skills were transferable from Mm -hmm. a live audience to a camera. And then once the show started airing, strangers started approaching and it was, it was that, are you Fitz? I love you. I do your show and I've lost 17 pounds or my back doesn't hurt. And the power to help strangers was really impactful to me. I was blown back by those, those interactions with various people. So, um, I earned a real craving for mass media. I soon after, um, wrote a couple articles that made a significant impact on the readers. And again, that too blew me back. So uh, where most fitness professionals, I would say, are in some sort of gym setting or doing personal training. And I did that for a little while, but uh, very early on, I turned all of my attention towards mass impact activities. And so that's where I am now. I haven't been in a gym. Well, I'm in a gym all the time exercising, <laughs> but I don't teach or yeah. do that type of work. I've been uh, working on television and on radios and in magazines and uh, online work. And I write books and I also do a ton of keynote presentations and spokesperson work for massive companies like Oakley and Disney and Tropicana and Office Depot yeah. and New York Life and nonprofits. And uh, I'm the messenger now. I'm the person who makes fitness understandable, attainable and fun and then I send the people that I presented to off into the world to pursue exercise and quality nutrition in their own communities. Okay. That's a cool story. I, 
What I find interesting besides many of those things is that a lot of times we start businesses because we have like a problem that we solved or like some type of product that we like created and we want to get out. I feel like you just kind of followed something that you really loved and it just kind of turned into this whole thing, this whole career. Yeah, I'm a service provider, right? So yeah. I, and I love, especially the American entrepreneur, I get it. You know, my business is 24 hours a day and I know the other business owners know that too. Uh, and I love the people that are so inventive and they can create uh, a solution. Yeah. And so I'm a service provider and I feel really good about that. I do now have products with my books out and I have online courses and, but I'm the product, right? I don't know if yeah. my business is even sellable because- if I'm not with it, it, it doesn't exist. Fitness does not exist without fits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Cause you are, cause I've been thinking about this a lot with my clients too, with a company, like when you create a company, if you are kind of the name, you kind of are like, you are the brand, you are the product, you are, you know, how that is different than creating something. I'm trying to like, just pull something like Sephora where there's like a million, it's like a big conglomerate thing yeah. and how different that is. And therefore your marketing is different and your whole like offers are different. Your thought process is different. So I'm curious how you kind of got started and realized you, I guess you were the business, like when that kind of clicked for you, that you were doing something more than just kind of having a job that you, you know, you fell into at 14 cause you liked it. Yeah. So I incorporated when I think I was about 19 or 20, I was, uh, I, I was, in touch with a friend who was an attorney who said, you need to incorporate. And he gave me good reasons why. So I did. And my I chose Fitness. I think it's a clever brand. I'm Fitz and <laughs> it's my brand of fitness. So, uh, and I trademarked it back then too, which was a very wise move. I'm so grateful I did it. But, you know, it's interesting. My name is on the business, but it's never about me. My, my yeah. business is about you. How do I benefit you? How do I get you? How do I convince you? to prioritize your health and how do I convince you to take action and support you and encourage you? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I've known that I'm the product and, and the difference between me and a lot of other people are, uh, and I, and I, I'm feel very strongly about this is I've never sold out. And so while there are some very good people within the fitness industry, there are also a bunch of scuzzy snake oil salesmen that are just plain old taking advantage of people selling their weight loss crap and their mm. lies and their diets. And there's also a whole bunch of quote unquote trainers who have no real education, no significant background. Yeah. And just because they look hot in the bikini, people are looking <laughs> to them for fitness advice, which is real dangerous. Mm. You know, when you put someone in charge of your heart and your lungs and your joints, uh, you better know who you're dealing with, that's a big buyer beware. And so, you know, my brand is uh, pretty special because I'm highly educated and then I truly respect the consumer and I would never lie to them. In fact, I've rejected millions of dollars in uh, endorsements because I wouldn't lie to people. So, you know, I, I hope every entrepreneur knows why they're unique and why they're of value. Okay. I am writing this down. I loved what you said about, uh, putting someone in charge of your heart, your lungs and your body is yeah. like really important. Cause I wanted to, if you're okay to talk about, it, I wanted to lean into what you were saying about like the people in your, cause I feel like this is true with any industry. Cause I kind of went on like a rant about this and I'm thinking about doing like a more like in-depth series on like hot takes and marketing. Cause to your point with the personal trainers, there's so many like 
internet coaches for marketing who just like sell like a copy and paste thing. And so many people eat it up because they don't know. And because it's very convincing, they use certain psychological kind of hacks and certain things that always work. And so it's just so tricky then to then set yourself apart of like being authentic because you're going to probably like, and not probably, but like in certain circumstances, you might short term make less money or like see them and want to kind of be like, well, it's working for them. And I know that I'm, you know, so I want, if you're okay with that, I want to like talk about that and kind of how that goes on in your industry, because I think it's true with a lot of industries. So here's the deal is uh, at a very young age, I started turning down very large amounts of money, even when I didn't have it. Uh, But I couldn't, I knew I couldn't stomach myself if I lied, if I, if I just even once lied to people and sold a pill or a powder or a shake or a diet. I just, I couldn't stomach myself. But what I knew is I was in this for the long run. So fitness to me isn't a job, it's a profession. And so because I did not sell out these massive Fortune 500 companies, they look at me, they find a flawless record and they trust me with their brand. Mm -hmm. And so when I stand on uh, a massive stage in front of Spaceship Earth at Disney, uh, speaking to thousands of cast members, their employees, I've earned that because I didn't sell out. When I'm on television for Oakley or Tropicana, that's because I'm the one they respect the most because they look and they're they're noticing who is selling the diet and who is a bit fake and a phony. And so where I turned down the money many years ago, and still today I get offered probably every day of the week, someone's offering money to hawk some sort of nonsense. Um, when I when I work for the corporations, they pay the big, big bucks and I get all of the above. You know, I'm in it for mm-hmm. the long run. This career of mine, I can't even fathom the word retirement. I'm so passionate about what I do. Yeah. If you, if someone pulled me away from live audiences and and the work that I do, I'd be heartbroken. But yeah, the the money that I turned down before comes back tenfold because I've held my head up high and I've done the right thing. And I think every business owner should yeah. know that. And and for me, my business is on the my name is on the brand. So if I screw up, there's I'm the bottom dollar. If if fitness does someone wrong, it's me. I, it's no one else but me. So um it's important that you have integrity and ethics first. And then all the other stuff will fall in line. Yeah. I wanted to just pinpoint on what you said, because I love everything that you're saying. I agree with <laughs> all of this. I'm just going to be like, yes, I agree with it. So basically when you or another business owner or another you know brand, if you get offered like this big money deal or maybe different avenues to try, but don't align with you and your goals and your values, it's better to think long-term and turn it down, turn down that short-term cash, even if you don't have it, because in the long term it'll hurt you. And you need to think of what do I want my brand to be in 20 years and what 30 years and even five years, because it could even go down the drain with, with something like that and some type of scandal or whatever within six months later you find out. And so I just want to reiterate that point because yeah. I really loved what you were saying. I don't know if you want to speak on anything like that just to like get no. into it, but I loved it. I mean, now everything's recorded, right? So imagine I yes. show up to work for XYZ Monster Company and they're going to put me on stage in front of their 800 employees the next day for a keynote. And then someone shows up with this stupid little TikTok of me pushing diet pills or, you know, whatever. That's it. They say, no, thank you. We'll find someone else to step on that stage. You are not of value to us anymore. And everything we do right now is caught on tape. So 
are you making moves that you are proud of? Are you taking shortcuts yeah. that are going to get people hurt or get people um, frustrated or, or just, you know, take their money in an unethical way? So, you know, I, I, I sound like I'm the moral high ground on everything, but again, I'm dealing with hearts and lungs and spinal columns and emotional um, issues because when people yeah. are not in good shape, they, they go down some really horrible paths mentally. And it's just not fair. It's just not fair. I was an overweight bulimic as a teenager and I would never do that. I would never take advantage of somebody in that position. So yeah, integrity, start there. Yes, I'm gonna write that down. Cause I really, <laughs> I'm just like writing it cause I'm like, oh, these are good little quibits. But like, I really love the, are you making moves you'll be proud of? Like asking your question, because I feel like when you're making decisions and kind of looking at things, it's hard to like pick certain questions that to like ask yourself. And I think that's a good one that you could yeah. kind of put on a post-it note and just sure. read it like a, a magic eight ball situation, you know, like, yeah. will I be proud of what I'm doing? In, yeah. And that's not to say, because that's like the, your best work isn't your best work. Like you'll still improve like three years from now. So it's not like proud. Is it perfect? It's like, do I feel, do I feel like I'll be feeling good and in integrity? That's right. Yeah. And perfect's boring. There's nothing about me that's yeah. perfect. I can I can start there. I'm uh, I do my best all the time. But you know, am I perfect? I am not. I am not. And that's a weird standard to hold for anything, right? Mm -hmm. So just as long as you can stomach yourself, you look in the mirror. That girl in the my mirror, man, she's wicked. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think about her a lot when I'm making these decisions. I love that because your your own business kind of thing, right? So I'm thinking when you look at yourself in the mirror and as a business owner and like as a queer woman or, you know, just looking at yourself, I feel like you got to be proud of yourself and kind of like hold yourself to a standard. Like you are the leader, you are the boss of your company and your life. Like, you know, if you, even if you didn't have a business or anything that you're, you know, doing that, you still have to look at yourself and be proud and be like, I am the leader of my life. And I like that you're saying that because that's so true and important. Um, okay. I'm curious because you've clearly had your own business and turned fitness into a thing at like 14 and you trademarked it at like 19. So it's been like, it's been a while and that's awesome. And I see like your LED light in the background, which is awesome. So I'm curious, what has been the hardest thing about being your own business, your own boss, whatever that means for you, what has been the most difficult thing for you along this journey? So the fitness part has always come very natural to me, very natural to me. And and any information I didn't have early on, I, I hunted it down. I found out from science and research. So that's the fitness part is so easy to me. And I'm so grateful for that. But the real hard part is the business part of doing business. It's uh, it's not easy, uh, you know, filing those trademarks. I have I own multiple. That's not an easy thing to do. And at yeah. the point I was filing them. I couldn't afford a attorney. So I had to figure out how to do it myself and I did it right. I, thankfully I got it all done, but it was a headache and a half. I don't enjoy taxes and I do them myself. I work with an accountant, but I prepare them and that's no fun. Uh, the other thing I had to deal with fear, uh, fear of rejection. So there was a time when I was younger where I was afraid to ask for opportunities. And, you know, this is my story on that. I was also a competitive kickboxer um, between about, I don't know, starting about 20 for 10 years. And that's not mamby-pamby. I actually got in a ring with a an opponent who wanted to knock me unconscious. And so I, I was quite popular and uh, magazines were always doing articles on me, which sounds really exciting. 
And they would sometimes fly me out to California and take all these great photos. And I'd go to the bookstores and almost every single time these magazines had beautiful photos and the articles were crap. A, they would misspell my name, which is very frustrating. And worse, they would make up quotes. And so I wasn't just a fighter. I was also, you know, a burgeoning fitness expert. And so Mm. my, if I was giving advice on training in the article and they mucked it up, I looked like a buffoon. So that was really frustrating to me. And I I really wanted to write the articles, but I was afraid to ask. I'd walk into this magazine publishing studio with the editor and I never had the courage to say, can I write one? And so finally I left one particularly a grueling training session, me versus multiple opponents and you know, just knock down, drag out. And I left there and I get my Jeep and I go to the bookstore and I get a new magazine that had featured me. And once again, I open it up, pictures are great. And the information makes me look like a moron. So very frustrated sitting in my Jeep stewing. And I thought, well, I wish I could just write the article. And then it dawned on me. I thought, you know what, dummy? You stand in a ring in front of thousands of people with an opponent that wants to knock you clear unconscious why are you afraid to ask these editors this question? There is no bleeding, bruising, or bo- broken bones involved in asking a question. So get on the phone and call. This is me talking to myself. Yeah. I have this great internal monologue mono- or conversation that goes on. So I go back to the office and I pick up the phone and I call the magazine editor and I say, hey, Bob. And he said, this is Fitz. Oh, hey, Fitz, how you doing? I say, great, I got a question for you. Okay. I said, Bob, would I be able to write an article for you? He goes, Oh yeah, that would be great. How much do you need? And that was a real uh, surprise to me. Not only did he say yes, but then he gave me money for it. And I thought, oh, you fool, you have been uh, depriving (laughs) yourself of not only quality articles, but income for two years now. And so I have moved on from that position thinking that if it does not cause bleeding, bruising or broken bones, I'm gonna go for it. And so I've, I've not held back and not shied away for asking for opportunities, um, things that might cause embarrassment. Oh, God forbid they say no. Uh, you know, the reality is people used to say no uh, quite quite a bit when I was younger. Uh, and now people tell me no very rarely. And um, if they do, usually I find a way to get what I want anyways, because now I'm finally good at business, right? But the business part of doing business was very hard. I also felt very uncomfortable taking money. Um, I'm, a, I'm a giver, not a taker. So that kind of thing felt weird. But then I realized you provide a hell of a lot of value. If you can mm-hmm. get people to make the change, boy, are they going to make a lot of money because of you. And so now I feel really good about providing a, a fee for my services. And I feel really, really good when someone hands me a check. Okay. I love that. All the stories. That was awesome. Cause I feel like with the money thing, I'm curious, like, cause you said you're a giver. And so it made you feel kind of awkward. I'm curious, kind of like, what changed? And when you realize that to kind of switch that from being uncomfortable, because to your point, like you can feel good because it's an exchange of like, I'm giving this in exchange for this. So they're happily, of course they'd want to pay me for this because to your point with the selling out and selling diet pills, like they're spending maybe even more adding up over those years sure. for stuff that doesn't work. So like, I'm curious what switched in your mind to kind of think that way and think I'm doing them a favor in a way. Of course, of course it's, it was, watching my clients succeed when I used to have one-on-one clients. And so taking money from individuals was a real hard time, hard thing yeah. for me because you're friends, right? They, they come to you as a client and then you become friends and that, and then the payment always became awkward, but I got over it. 
Uh, right now, it's way easier because corporations pay my bills. Yeah. So that that just helps. And, and they seek me out and they say, hey, we want a dynamic, exciting presenter with all this information. I say, I can do that. And this is what I charge. And, and uh, usually they say yes. So um, and then here's the thing. I know I'm asking for a lot of money. I mean, in the scheme of things, is it a lot of money? I don't know. I'm not uh, Elon Musk, right? But I work my tail off to provide the value. I want it. I always want in exchanges with me to feel like a win-win. I never want anyone to feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. And so I double over. I do whatever it takes to please the client. And uh, that makes me feel really good about taking money is knowing that I provided a spectacular service. Maybe, maybe they even, maybe they even got a really great deal. Okay. Yeah. So feeling good and confident in the offer. Cause that's what I sometimes will find with like my clients is kind of, I want to say not confident or unconfident, but just kind of like not rock steady. And like, this is what I provide. I feel good about this price. Cause I feel like sometimes there's like, I don't, entirely love the the quotes of like, know your worth because you don't really have worth as a human being. Like you're, you're a human being, like you can't put a dollar. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was looking for that word. You're like priceless. There's no like price. There is no worth you can do in my mind. I'm like, okay, there's market value for your services, I think is the know your worth thing. So I'm like, I'm, I love that you know your worth now and you're happy with it. How do you get I assume like with your clients too, you kind of work with them as well on kind of knowing their worth because to your point, they might have some kind of emotional stuff. Do you work with them on knowing their worth and kind of how do you do that with them? You know, I do not do, I do not do personal anything anymore. So everything I do is on mass scale. Um, so that's, that's different, but people that give me money, they're excited to give me money. Uh, you know, the other thing that really helps is I know what the competition looks like when it comes to race announcing. So that's this other thing I do. I host, I'm the start and finish line voice of some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States. Possibly the most expensive race announcer in America and damn worth every penny. You put my start and finish lines next to anybody else's and and I'm probably worth twice what I'm asking. You know, the the amount of built-in services and the amount of people that travel to races because I'm there. I mean, that alone pays for my fee and pays my travel. So yeah, I think, I think knowing what you do so well, um, becoming the best in your business and then knowing what else is out there. And it's, it's very interesting. I'll have a race director say, I'm interested in hiring you. What does it take? And I'll give them a price and maybe they'll scoff at it and say, Oh, can't do it. (laughs) I just had a guy who had that very same scenario last year. And in January, it was a Monday. So his marathon weekend was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Monday, he texted me. He said, please book me for, please book my date for 2024. The man I hired was horrible. I now know you get what you pay for. And so um, sometimes people are trying to lowball themselves, just get the opportunity. Yeah. I don't want to be considered the cheapest. Um, I don't want any handouts because I'm a woman. I only want you to hire me because I'm the best. Do not bring my vagina and my boobs into this scenario. It is not about being a woman. It's about being a professional and providing a service. And my service, I think, is the best or one th- one of them. And so I deserve more income because I'm providing a, a far superior service that's far more encompassing than the others. And that includes all the men. So um, yeah, I just, I, and I sound like a cocky jerk. I probably sound like a cocky jerk, but I've been doing it for a long time and I've invested in me and I've invested in 
practice and practice and practice. You know, before I charged a thousand dollars for a presentation, I charged nothing for a whole bunch. And then maybe I charged a hundred dollars and then I made it up to 500. And then, you know, eventually there was five figures involved. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's important that you have value and confidence that you are worth the amount you're charging or else you feel bad about it. Yeah. I don't think you sound cocky because I mean, if you know what you're doing, then I feel like that's kind of the thing sometimes. I don't want to say it's just with women, but like if we are proud of our accomplishments or like just generally, I think people are like iffy on saying that we're proud of the things that we've done because it makes you, it could make you sound cocky or, you know, something, but it's really important to do that because otherwise like no one's going to come behind you on the back and be like, that was a really good job. Like the, the rarity of that, like you kind of have to be your own little hype up person. I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with how you used to undercharge and how you got to the point that you felt confident enough to charge what, again, people are priceless, but like what your worth is in the marketplace. Cause I feel like this is so, especially like with newer businesses and newer, like literally with services and products, unless there's like a certain product that is obviously X amount to create. And then you have to have obviously a little bit over that to create a, some type of margin. So it's, that's a little easier to price, but I feel like a lot of times with services, it's so difficult to, it just kind of feels like picking a number. And then if you find out, you know, it's like, you know, if you find out at work, that's the same person with the same job as you, who's same experience, whatever actually makes like 30,000 more. You're like, what the, yeah. And you're, you, and then you're mad at yourself for lowballing yourself. And yeah. then of course you're mad at like the person who's paying this person. Then you're mad at the other person because they asked for more. And so I'm curious how you figure that out for yourself. Obviously it was trial and error, but just kind yeah. of bringing it up to yourself. Like I know that I give a good service because I'm just curious, I want to, for my audience and knowing your worth, quote unquote, right? Like how, how to le- like lean into that, like knowing it and kind of how you went into that. So I'll, I'll go back to when I was doing personal training and things like that. When I first started personal training, I think I was 16. I was charging $15 a session. I was thrilled to get it, right? And so I got a few clients at 15, felt good with them and, and um, practiced with those $15 clients. And then eventually I moved up to 20. Right, stayed that there for a while, and then I moved up to twenty five. And again, service is different than products, mm-hmm. but uh, I I would get to a place where I had enough clients where I felt like, okay, I have seven people at twenty five dollars a session. This is satisfying to me. When someone else asks what I charge, I'm going to tell them thirty five. You know, and if they say no, okay, they say cool. no. I already am satisfied with my income, and then I bumped it up from there, and then eventually you know, my credentials are pretty significant in fitness. I have a master's degree. I had all this year's experience. And so I actually called the local gym and I said, hey, what would it cost me to hire a personal trainer? And none of their trainers had a master's and none of them had the amount of experience and they were charging, you know, a hundred per session. And then I just decided, okay, well, if they're getting a hundred bucks, I'm going to take a hundred bucks. So um, that helped, you know, with speaking, it's very interesting. I all I did the same formula for speaking where I just, I, I would speak wherever I could just to practice. This was me at 18, 19, 20, 21, speaking to a handful of people at a weight loss group, you know, just, just honing my skills. And I can't remember the first time I was paid for speaking, but it's grown significantly. I remember having a professional speaker look at me and tell me they won't take you seriously unless you charge $5,000 yeah. for, for speaking. And I thought, oh, really? 
Yeah. (laughs) And then eventually I asked for 5,000. They said, yep. And then I thought, oh, I probably could have asked for 10,000. So, you know, it is a little bit of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that helped me put greater value on my time was my kids because doing the things that I do means I usually have to leave my children. And there is a high price tag on walking away from Ginger and Parker and my dogs. And so uh, I think it's just maturity. You know, I wish I could give an an, an yeah. easy answer that says, this is how you make your price, but you gotta practice for cheap and then start finding out what other people with your experience are charging and then go from there. And then try not to leave money on the table. I think you should ask for more than you're willing to accept. Mm-hmm. And so if they say yes, great. Wow, you just got yourself a pay raise. And if they say, sorry, that's not in the budget, you can say, well, what is in the budget? And maybe they come down 30% and that was really your sweet spot anyway. So don't be afraid to ask at minimum the going rate and then work from there. Yeah, I like that don't be afraid to ask because to your point uh, of what, when someone told you that they won't take you seriously unless you charge 5,000, like that's, that's the whole thing too, is that you can only do it for free for so long because people will see it as like a, they won't take it seriously. Cause it's kind of like a come and go, like they have no stake in it. And I'm not saying it has to be like a million dollar stake in it. You have to like immediately go for a million dollars, but some stake that they feel some type of investment, like, you know, just something or else they will not take you seriously. And you look in prof- unprofessional, even if you're not, it's yeah. just because you're afraid or hesitant or whatever, you know, the reason is be- that you're not asking. And I think that's really important. I'm I'm glad someone told you that because like someone has to tell you the minimum basically in some capacity, someone has to say like, Hey, look, if you're not, and I I talked about this to somebody else, like a recent client of like, Hey, you should be charging at least this. And I know you're not comfortable with this because you're charging like way under this now, but like, if you're going to look for a prospective clients, like they're not going to take you seriously for less than basically that conversation of like, they're going to think you're just kind of dabbling still when you're not, you're just dabbling in this new capacity and you just don't know how to price yourself. Yeah just price yourself as this and then go from there. And then if they do, they do. If they don't, then whatever. They're not the only one. The opportunity will come again. They're not like the one for you. You know, it's not the chance. That's right. That's right. There's, there's plenty of people that could become your customer. And, you know, I just associate it with going to a festival or a fair and people give you all this free crap. And then what happens with the free crap? Even if it's stuff like sunscreen, I live in Florida. I have sunscreen all over the place, but if it's the free sunscreen, (laughs) maybe it just hits the trash because I didn't pay for it. So yeah, it's it's certainly important to have value and think of the things we covet. Um, Nobody is just dreaming of an old Navy purse, right? They all want (laughs) a Chanel bag. Um, I don't have one of those. By I love all, the by knock the on Old Navy, like Old Navy. <laughs> no one treats them. That's so one, true. Right? It's so funny. They save yeah. up and they earn and then they feel yes. really proud about their investment when they get something a little upscale. So be upscale. I like that. I just want to like pinpoint that again, because that is, I've, I've heard other people talk about this too, with like, if you do, if you're good in your services and you totally are like aligned with that price and all those things, it's worth it. You have a good value, whatever. Like if someone can't afford you, fine. If they really want to work with you, they'll come back and then they'll feel like to your point with the Chanel purse, like they'll feel like a, I have a Chanel purse. Like they'll feel a sense of they work towards something and they did it. So like when they get that thing, that service, be able to provide like your services, your service fee, they'll feel really good about it. And you will feel fine because it, you know, you were still living your life, taking other clients, taking other sales, whatever. And then they come back around a year and a half later and they're like, Hey, I'm ready to work. 
Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey, how are you? That's and right. they have it. You never had to like necessarily negotiate with them and their fees and be like, well, I like you. So I'm going to give you a 10% off. You know, you didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. Because well, they didn't need it. I, I tell you what. When I said no to this one marathon weekend a year ago because he couldn't meet my match, it just, it was fine by me. I didn't flinch mm-hmm. about it. I just said, okay, well, I am not the cheap race announcer. And how rewarding for him to come back yeah. desperately saying, please, God, please be ready. I understand now. So, you know, just what I'm encouraging everybody to do is uh, build your build your prices up gradually, but put yourself in a position to be of the most value, right? To be the best, to have the best service, the best product. And maybe your product isn't the best, but your service, when you sell it to them, you're so kind and wonderful and a service with a smile there. They're more than welcome to settle for a less tasty hamburger because (laughs) the owner of that restaurant is such a peach, right? So uh, it all matters. It's, It's the skills and the service and the intention and the integrity. I like how you summed it all up too, because it obviously you want to aim to be the best at what you do, right? But like by default, someone will theoretically like, I'm trying to think of like, someone will always be better in some capacity in different ways, or like, you're never going to be the best at everything. And even if you're like the best at this one thing, it's subjective because one's, you know, one man's trash is another man's cup. Like I'm thinking of the Macklemore, but like everyone is different and they're looking for different things. So being the best doesn't necessarily exist in like a factual scientific situation unless, you know, you're talking about like science, I don't know, molecules or something, but like in a service and a product, like if I like one lip gloss over another, it doesn't make one legitimately better or worse. It's just, I like this better because it feels better on my lips. And that's, what does that even mean? Right. So, so you are so there. It's funny. When I started teaching fitness, I learned really quickly. So my style is very bold and high energy and silly and happy. And I learned that maybe some of the people don't Mm -hmm. want all that. They want someone who's a little chill, a little more peaceful. So it wasn't that I was bad, but I was not their preference. You know, you come to one of my start and finish lines, they're raucous and rowdy and we laugh and people dance and maybe someone doesn't want that at a race, you know? So it's again, not that I'm the best or whatever, but someone has deemed, they just decided, okay, I want my finish lines to be crazy fun. I want my start lines to be a wild time and Fitz Kohler is the one who can give me, she's the best one for that particular experience. So um, you're right. You be you, you do you, do the best version of you or your products and someone's going to fall in love with them. Someone will. Yeah. I love that. I like that little wrap up. I'm just going to let that there. I won't add anything that that's lovely. I'm just going to leave that there. And then I'm going to ask you two more questions because I want to respect your time. Okay. And so I wanted to ask you, what have you recently cut out of your life or your business, whatever you wanted to talk about that you wish you had cut out sooner and what made you maybe hold back? Oh, what have I cut out? You know what? I have cut out uh, mindless surfing on the internet, mindless surfing on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. And I just, I turn my phone off. I I actually turn off the ringers and the, you cannot notify me. So if you contact me on social media, only I can come to your message when I'm ready for it. My phone will not say ding, ding. And I wish I had done that sooner because you can become obsessed with it. So, and and it's also very fun. You know, there's sexy guys dancing and there's cute (laughs) dogs and whales and alligators. (laughs) There's all these great things. So yeah, if 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 it's not calling my name, I'm more likely to leave it down and focus on the things in front of me. So that's what I've cut out. What was your other question? 
I, oh, okay. We're pivoting quickly. I was like, let me, (laughs) how do you embody the bare minimum babe mindset in your business, personal life, relationship, whatever you want to talk about to honing down to the basics so you can get started and move forward? I say no. I've learned to say no. When we talk about honing, I have learned to say no to things that uh, don't benefit my family, which is usually income related or uh, don't excite me. So there, there was a lot of times where I was just saying yes to everything. I thought I could do it all. Uh, so I can do all the things that I want to do, but I can't do all the things everybody else wants me to do. So um, I've learned to say no, and that has allowed me some peace in my life, some outdoor time, the quality time with my dogs and just um, some rest, much needed rest sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I love the importance of saying no. Cause to your point of like, and this kind of goes with like wanting to please everybody and like worried about missing opportunities and stuff too. Cause if you say no, what if they don't come back? Or maybe if you just lowered your price this one time or something like that, but really saying no can be like a final, like, no, I don't want to do it. Just kind of like feeling it. Like would I be, I like to project to myself. Like if someone comes along, I'm like, do I want to work with them? And I'm like, if I wouldn't be like, not everything can be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Like you have to do, you know, laundry and stuff like that. I'm not hype about this stuff. Right. But on things you have to, you get to choose to do. It's like, am I actually excited to do this? Like, would I be excited? Like would I see this on my calendar and be like, Jesus, do you think they'd be mad if I canceled like 10 minutes in advance? Like, like if you're thinking those types of, this is my toes. Like if I would think that I'm like, I probably should stop doing more of those things. Yeah. Like, cause you can always feel it. So I like that you said no as like a, just saving yourself time in a bare minimum. Like that can be the bare minimum of just no. Yeah. And it, and no is a complete sentence. Yes. And, uh, maybe next time if you want to soften the blow, maybe next time, yeah. but yeah, no. say no and protect, protect your downtime, your family time, your, romantic time, your self time, you know, time to take a bath or read a book or whatever, all of that stuff matters. So yeah, learning to say no, again, another sign of maturity. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, it's been lovely to have you Fitz. Can you tell everyone where we can find you, your website, anything you're working on? Yeah. Yeah. So fitsness.com is my home base for everything. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S.com. There's a ton of resources, ton of free resources for anybody trying to do better, be better when it comes to their weight or their health, their fitness level. It's all there. And then I have three books, the Cancer Comeback Series. So uh, I was I went through 15 months of brutal cancer care in 2019 and 2020, and thankfully I survived, but uh, I was brutalized. And when my body got to a point where my mom says, you look like you're in the Holocaust, I never had a doubt that I would rebuild my muscles and my strength and mobility and get back to healthy, vibrant, and athletic. But at the same time where I was looking at my skeletal body, I was thinking about my peers who did not, who were not fitness experts and may not ever know how to rebuild back their body. So mm. um, brand new this year is my first book or not my first book, but uh, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. It's a guidebook, a very thorough guidebook on fitness, nutrition, uh, complementary care, quality rest uh, for cancer patients and survivors and to help them go from sick to strong. And then there's the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, which is the perfect place to put all your cancer details and then your feelings and your fears and the funny stuff, and then log your progress 
uh, from sick to strong. And then my memoir is my noisy cancer comeback. So I've got three big books and they're all doing great. And uh, oncologists are buying them in bulk. And I'm really proud of those. So those are available at fitness.com. I sign everything that leaves my office. However, you can also get the books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And there's an audio book for my, for my um, memoir. So uh, those books are everywhere. If you just look up Fitz Kohler, you'll find them. And then I'm at on socials at Fitzness. And uh, what I prefer is for you all to reach out. I mean, if you follow, I promise some quality content in return. But what I love is if you comment and say, hey, I heard you on Amanda's podcast and I'd like to connect because I would much rather have friends than followers. Oh, I love that. Because I feel like that's such an under talked about thing with marketing. And I talk about that too, like the difference between fans slash followers versus like actual people who care and connect and will want to actually buy your service in any capacity that actually supports you in a real way. Well, and the other thing is because I travel all over the country, my my online friends become friends, friends. I'm out at the zoo with my online (laughs) friend from Texas. I'm going to dinner with, you know, my pal in New York. I literally connect with these people and we do fun stuff. So um, I I actually am looking for friends, not weirdos. If you're a scary weirdo, (laughs) (laughs) don't follow me. Weirdos not apply. If you're fun, let's connect. I feel like you should put that in your bio. Weirdos don't. Not necessary. Thank you. Need not apply. There it is. Need not apply. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on Fitz. And we'll put all this stuff in the episode show notes, all the links that we've talked about. So follow up with her. She's awesome. Like she said, she promises good content. Don't be weird though. If you follow her. Right. Don't, don't come after me with a knife. That'd be great. Wasn't Fitz lovely. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm so glad that she was able to make time to be on Bare Minimum Babe and that she was able to talk about everything that she talked about. And like I said, I really love how much we talked about of being in alignment and being in integrity with our decisions and our business decisions and our life decisions and making sure, you know, our name is clean. And again, accidents happen or like you maybe didn't know of certain things, but like if something feels off and like it doesn't feel integrity and with alignment with your, with your goals and with your business and your, your values, not moving forward with those things, even if it means in the short term that it quote unquote punishes you, like it's, it's not, it would be easier to take the quicker, quicker term cash grabs, right? But if you're in this for the long haul, that's not what you want to do. You want to think long term. And I love how much we talked about the fear of rejection and having the courage and confidence to ask for the opportunities that you're no, you're amazing at. And it's not being cocky or like putting yourself above other people. Like, no, if you worked hard and you know you have the skills and you know you have the knowledge and you have the integrity and like you're going to deliver on what you're what you're asking for, what you're putting yourself up for an opportunity for. There is nothing wrong with it. In fact, like Fitz was talking about, she was she could have been making the entire time when she was referencing, you know, not making the re- writing the articles for herself. She was for two years because she was afraid to ask for the opportunity to write her own articles. She was leaving money on the table. So it wasn't just that she was like, you know, holding herself back from more opportunity. She was holding herself up from income potential too. So there's more than just like maybe potential opportunities of just like putting your foot in the door. It's like income opportunities, you know, you don't leave money on the table of the skills that you have that someone else might be making money off of with much less skill. Right. And I wanted to quickly hone in on another point that I really loved as well is that there's nothing wrong with you if you're not everyone's cup of tea. And I'm not saying this as an excuse to be like, you know, some people use this as a, you know, an excuse of like, well, that's just how I am. And if you don't like it, you know, whatever. 
Like I'm not talking about toxic traits here, you know, where you're doing too much and you use it as a personality trait. And if they don't like it, you know, whatever, you're not their cup of tea. I'm talking about if Fitz, for example, she's really high energy. She was saying, I'm like that too. And that was one of the issues I quote unquote issues I've talked about before in previous episodes when I had, when I was talking to my clients and I wasn't quite aligning with some of them because I wasn't clear on exactly who I wanted to serve and that kind of energy. And I wasn't clear on what my unique selling point as a person was and kind of the energy that I brought to the table. And now I'm much more clear on that, that I tend to be more high energy and I like to be more bubbly and friendly and ask questions and blah, blah, blah. Like I like that type of energy. And some people didn't because to her point, they wanted something more chill or whatever that is, something that you were not. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just means that's not what they were into. They like a different vibe. It's like the same classic Pepsi versus Coke challenge from like, I don't know, the 2000s, 90s thing where, you know, you tested Pepsi and you tasted Coke and it was Pepsi sponsored, right? And so it was like, which one's better? Like the answer is neither is better or worse in terms of taste. It's just preference. And for reference, I, you can very clearly taste the difference. So I remember doing this as a kid and very clearly wanting the freebie thing that they, it was like a keychain with like a Pepsi logo. I don't know why I wanted it. I was like 10. Anyways, you can very clearly do the difference. And so I, I picked Pepsi, even though I actually don't like Pepsi. I like Coke more because Pepsi's way too sweet, but I did it. I picked Pepsi because I wanted the freebie that Pepsi was giving. So keep that in mind too, that just because someone picks you doesn't mean that they're necessarily like the best in align with your brand. I picked Pepsi to get in that Pepsi versus Coke challenge. I got, I picked Pepsi because I knew I would win this stupid little keychain, but I liked Coke better. Point is neither one is better or worse in terms of taste. It's just preference. And again, they're both bad for your health. So but that's the side of the point. Just because you're not everyone's cup of tea does not mean you're not the perfect cup of tea for somebody else. Different people like different things, Right. It doesn't say anything about you. As long as you are rock solid in what you offer and your confidence and your skill set and what you have to offer, whether that's product or your service or whatever that is, as long as you're like solid in that, then there's nothing that can be said about you, right? And you're acting in integrity. You're just doing your job. You know, you're creating a business, you're creating a career out of something that you know is worth what you are asking for. Even though you are priceless as a person, there is a worth in the capitalist market of what your services and your goods are worth within the marketplace. And so knowing that your price point is a bomb value, then that's all you need. So thank you again for listening to another episode of Bare Minimum Babe. If you liked this episode, please rate it a five-star review. I would really, really, really appreciate it because it helps me get in front of other people just like you. I feel like a PBS, PBS ad helping viewers just like you. So I would really appreciate it. And of course, share it with a friend if you found something you could resonate with or I don't know, like, aha, like, oh, Susan, you totally need to hear this. I'm just making up names right now. I'm, it's the end of the day and I'm pretty hype. I'm gotten, I'm getting that like third wind right now recording this outro. So I'm going to end it with a thank you so much. Please wait before I start. If you like it, share it with a friend and I will be in your ears for another episode of Bare Minimum Babe next week. Adios, amigas. Toodles. 